Joe presents TKO. Right, welcome to a very festive edition of TKO and Joe. Um, Start that again part- because I was swearing under my breath there. That's fine, don't worry. These are really good. Do you want to try one? Yeah. People, people listening, these are mince pies. This is the first Which you've time somehow at 32 never tried. Never tried a mince pie because... What do you mean? Well, up until 10 minutes ago, I thought it was minced beef. And I didn't, <laughs> you can hear everyone laughing. And I didn't fancy a sweet beef treat. But what I don't understand is, it's all very well you saying that's what you thought it was. How in three decades has no one ever told you Well, I never is? really discussed it. No, I don't fancy one. Well, go on then. This is good audio, isn't it? <laughs> for anyone listening, Carl's eating a mince pie for the first time. Turns out it's not beef. Thoughts? Oh, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, all right. We've been away for a while. It's a revelation because, oh, they're nice, they're sweet. Describe it to me. Um, if I've never eaten a mince pie, they're a bit, oh, they're sweet. Cinnamon. Yeah. Um, is there like clove in there? I don't fucking know. I like it. I don't mind a mince pie. Wow. Your life is about to change. Though. Genuinely thought beef was involved somewhere. That's mad. It's just like raisins and sultanas. And Very nice. Good. All right, well, cheers. Welcome back. Thanks I haven't seen you for me. ages, mate. Spent a whole, a whole year together. And then um, and then you went off into camp. The last one I saw you was Manchester. Yeah. Getting prepped for um, for Vegas. And you didn't mention that your hand had gone. No. Again. So um, when did that happen? So it happened... Right. I've seen my specialist back at home, Michael Eames, who's been helping me out. I've seen another specialist as well, who I have to mention, Dr. Mike Hayton. Both of them have helped me out quite a lot. They knew the time frame. So I'm back in the camp in Manchester, not sparring, hitting paddles, not hitting anything too solid. And then I was given the go-ahead to start sparring by Dr. Eames. The fracture wasn't fully healed. He knew that. I knew it. But he knew the time frame, the fact that I needed to start sparring. We delayed it as long as possible. My first bar back with Kez Ashfak, probably six weeks out from the fight. In the third round, I refractured my hand. Ugh. So I had to stop sparring. I then didn't spar again on the advice of the specialist. I didn't spar until I got to Vegas. So three weeks out from the fight. So I'd done like two weeks of sparring in Vegas with Stephen Fulton and Akib Fiaz. Yeah. I'd done like probably 26 rounds with him. In total out there, the hand held up well. Could you feel it though? No, felt okay. Okay. And then my last spar, the 10 round spar, I got through nine rounds and it went in the ninth round. God. Refractured it again. So 12 days out from the fight, my hand is refractured again. Not great. Give you seven more days than the last time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. We, um, <laughs> we inquired with Nevada about strange. So Mike Hayton who has an involvement with the British Border Control as well, has been able to turn this, not over, there was a rule anyway, but he's, he's changed the rule, whereas boxers in, involved in fights in Britain can fight with local anaesthetic in their hand pre-fight, as long as you don't go over 10 mils or whatever. So it's just a local anaesthetic in the hand, kills the pain, not giving you any sort of benefit, just even in the playing fields. Is that, so is that you're cortisol? Lo- it's not cortisol, it's something else, I don't right. know what it is, but it's okay. not. you're not allowed that, I don't think, cortisol. Right. Anyway, you're allowed the local anaesthetic in the UK. He contacted Nevada asking their ruling on it without saying my name. They said, you're allowed it as long as it doesn't go over 10 mils, a local anaesthetic. 
And uh, then when we inquired about me getting the local anaesthetic and use my name, obviously, they said no for whatever reason. They wow. wouldn't allow it. So I had to go into the fight. What they did allow was pain killing cream, which is like what? useless. Well, so, it's for like your top layer of skin. Yeah. So I had that on, which didn't do any any favours to me, really. And um, that's how I started the fight. Wow. So this caused you a little bit of undue stress, really, less than a, a week before a fight. Absolutely. I, I just remember being, I was really nervous, extremely nervous going into the fight. There was a lot on the line. My career was on the line. Hmm. I'm going into it nowhere near 100% fit, obviously, with the issue with my hand. I was also having an issue with my ankle that was causing me grief in the lead up to it. So preparation wasn't ideal, but I had the fight. People paid for me to come and watch me in Philadelphia and the fight never happened. There was people paying and had paid and they were in Vegas to watch me fight. There was no way I couldn't fight. And, and I told both specialists who was dealing with me, I'm just going to have to go through this and do it. And they were saying, okay, let's do it then. And I done it. I won the fight. But it wasn't an ideal scenario going into it. And mentally, like, I had to be very, very strong. So your opponent is Tyler McCreary, unbeaten American, that sort of classic American style, sort of Philly shell, yeah. bit of a mover. I got up to watch it and I didn't feel particularly stressed because you just look so comfortable. And I didn't just, just for people at home, you didn't even mention your hand to me. I guess because of what happened last time in Philly, like it's almost better just to tell no one about anything. I didn't, t- I didn't tell anyone. I no. didn't tell, so my team knew about it and the specialist. I didn't tell my wife. So I didn't want her to worry. Yeah. Which she was pretty annoyed about. <sighs> yeah. I didn't tell my dad. I just didn't tell. I didn't tell anyone. So there was only a couple of people knew about the hand. That's all I needed to know. I knew what I knew was I was going to fight. So what was the point in me having people worry yeah. about the situation I was in going into the fight? Yeah. So that's interesting. But a different sort of nerves though to fighting Leo Santa Cruz, who's like elite world level opposition. This is a kid that's on the way up. He's unbeaten, but he's not of that proven level yet. So. What for you was causing the nerves the most, do you think? My hand. Yeah. And the issue that I had with my hand getting into the fight, I knew it was gonna be it was gonna get hurt in the fight at some point. I was hitting the pads pre fight, the hand felt fine. But I hit him in the first round. I can't remember, I think it was a left hook, top of head, hurt my hand. Didn't feel like it had broke then. I refractured. But in the second round it went properly. And it was sore, but the hand was the thing that was giving me the most the most issues. I knew it was fit, I knew it was sharp, and apart from the injuries I had in training, like what I was doing and sparring, them kind of twenty odd rounds I had of sparring were very good in Vegas. But the hand was giving me a lot of a lot of concerns. Might be a stupid question. When you hurt your hand in a fight, yeah. you know you've broken it. Does it hurt regardless of what shot you throw, or can you throw it in certain ways no, to minimize the pain? Certain shots I could land jabs not that solid i felt like i could hit him to the body because it's softer couldn't throw left hooks to the head could not hit him with a left hook and even at the end of exchanges i feel like that's a shot that probably would have got rid of him if i was able to throw a left hook but i I, I was hitting the body with left hooks okay it's hurting me but i was getting through it but anytime i touched him in the head it was excruciating pain of course if you catch like the elbow or something yeah. and you're trying to hit him to the body that's going to hurt yeah it's going to hurt what was he like as a fighter because he was giving you some a bit of verbal like in the middle rounds I couldn't hear what he was saying though <laughs> he was okay he wasn't bad a bit you know, green maybe yeah look I know that my next fight 
if it gets done with herring, it's going to be a much tougher fight. But he wasn't a bad fighter. Um, I just think that the old cliche of levels, I was a, a level above, but not a bad fighter. Mm-hmm. And I think he could probably come again. Tough kid. To be able to get up from body shots and see out the end of the fight shows a lot of resilience and toughness. Um, and he's still young, so he might have learned a lot from that fight. He seemed quite grateful after when you were in his boat too. Yeah, he's a nice kid. He was a nice kid and his team were, were nice people too. But um, it's really just business and you, you just yeah. do whatever you take. I remember thinking, because I've seen him in the hotel, normally, depending on the opponent, like Jamel Herring, for example, if I see him about a hotel, I'll shake his hand, say hello. Oscar Valdez, I would shake his hand, say hello. Because he was like a, a green kid, as you say, I remember didn't say hello to him, seen him, stirred him out, just trying to put the fear up on a wee bit. Nice guy. No, well, no, I'm messing around. It's just different, yeah, a different approach is, yeah. to different fighters. Yeah, like, not that I'm a bad guy, but you don't need to do it. Mm. You know, I, I was thinking this like consciously, like Valdez and stuff. If I seen him around, I would shake his hand, say hello, in the same lift as him, and say hello. But I seen the kid about the lobby, I was just staring at them, like just trying to put the frighteners onto them a bit. He seemed a bit nervous, so I think it might have worked a bit. That's good. Yeah, you spent a lot of time with Valdez, didn't you? Did we had a press day and. LA, first time I met him, and then we done a, a thing at a place called Opportunity Village, where there's um, it looks amazing. It was an amazing, yeah. amazing place. Um, so they they take in these people for daycare, adults with learning disabilities, and they look after them and let the the parents obviously go and work or do whatever they need to do. Wow. But an amazing facility. So I spent a day there with with Oscar. Very different to the normal sort of fight week stuff, isn't it? It was different because it was Thanksgiving week, so there wasn't a lot to do. Of course, so. I enjoyed it, to be honest. You're not having to be dictated to by being at meetings and weigh-ins and mm. public workouts. Done nothing fight week apart from going to Opportunity Village, which was actually pretty nice and pretty humbling and mm. uh, just brought a, a great deal of perspective. And anyone that was there, I think, it was it was, it was was a nice day. Nice. It's not in the plan, but actually I do want to talk to you because Nanito Dene come to watch you. Yeah. And we haven't seen each other since that fight yeah. with Inoue. What a fight, by the way. What a fight. What a fight. And I, I spoke to Nanito about it. Great fight. I knew it was going to be a good fight. And I, I, kind of, I predicted Nanito would win the fight yeah. before it. And well, I thought he, he would He wasn't far off. He wasn't far off. And I was kind of... People just had Nui blowing him away. And I didn't see it like that. Well, never in his entire career has he been blown away against big men. And, that, and that's, why, yeah. that's why I think people were looking at Dunner unfairly going into the fight. Yeah. I knew it was going to be a difficult fight for both guys. I fancied Dunner. I thought he could win it. He got close, but I know he won the fight, but what a fight. Like the Talk about everything on show, the resilience from both men, the toughness. The skill level was through the roof. It was, it was an unreal fight and uh, not a bad commentating performance from yourself. So much. Mention that. A lot of people have talked about that, you know. Yeah. Chris, Chris Lloyd's not bad at the commentating. We, we were saying, so, sorry, so sorry. we found out. No, thanks very much. Don't sound surprised. <laughs> well, it could have been you. You know, but you were doing whatever you got to do. You? I'm a pundit. Yeah, no, I'm sure. no, we we were just hoping that there wouldn't be any. You know what it's like if if you do a gig, and then you log on to social media, people giving you grief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see it all the time. So in my head, all I thought was, I just hope there's no talk about the commentary and all of it's about the fight. So yeah. to have so many nice comments was wicked. But it did it did help that it was fight of the year. Yeah. But Dene, he was in control for four or five of those rounds. Yeah, he was. But uh, like, it was a quality fight. Is that your debut in commentating? Debut for Sky. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. I've done loads over the years, but not at that level. Yeah, so unreal. Yeah, it was good. Fight. And you talk about a learning fight for like for Tyler McCreary, but for Inoue, that actually was 
probably better than just blowing somebody away Absolutely. for his long-term progression. Absolutely. He, he like answered a lot of questions that he may have had going into the fight just about himself. And I think that he have a broken orbital broke bone, bone and a, and a bro- nose. broken yeah, nose. Broke his nose yeah. um, to be able to deal with that against the puncher as well, like Denner, and to come through and, and win the fight, it shows a lot of mental toughness and resilience. And I think that that, that fight's going to do him the world of good. I mm. really do. Like, we talked about big Stevie Ward, who's been on the show. His fight with Liam Conroy and God. how he came through that adversity. There are the fights that I'm telling you now, you go through the roof after it. Your career skyrockets after that. Like, once you know you can do that in a fight, the world's your oyster. Can we please talk about this eight weeks of the bet that you won with him? Yeah. The bet was who was going to win fight of the year. Fighter... No, fight of the year. Fight yeah. of the year. His fight with Conroy or my fight with Warrington. Yeah. Stevie really fancied himself to win it. And in fairness, I thought he was going to win it too. So we had this bet. So the, the loser has to make tea for the other guy, all camp, wash the other guy's clothes, mm. all camp, treat the other person to a nice meal. And on one day of your choosing, wear a t-shirt. An offensive t-shirt. Or an offensive t-shirt. Yeah. So Stevie done all them things and... He'd done them all well. Never really complained, so credit to him. Yeah? Nothing else you want to talk about? Good stuff. All right. Sure? Well, are we telling now? Yes. I don't know if he watches the podcast. I've or still got to guilt it. from it. Okay, so... I don't want to be... Right, dra- this is what happens. Now, Stevie doesn't know this, but he... Well, he will know now. I'm so, really sorry, by the way, Steve. He wanted to... He wanted to... Um, <laughs> he wanted to bet because he was really confident that he was going to win the fighter or the fight of the year and I thought he was going to win it so I came out nah I think you're going to win anyway blah blah so I was meant to go to the awards and then I had to pull out and Robert Smith phoned me and said Carl can you reconsider because you've won an award we don't normally like to tell people but you've won fight so sorry Steve <laughs> you've won fight of the year can you reconsider in weeks so I couldn't do it literally I hung up the phone and said sorry I can't do it 30 seconds later, Stevie phoned me. Carl, we're doing this better or what? I went, ah, all right, well, let's do it. Oh. So I just had the end from Howard Smith won. And um, then we done the bet. And Stevie, like a trooper, done everything that was asked of him. So Tell you what, have you got your phone on you? Yes. FaceTiming. I don't. I do. It's out there somewhere. Can we get Carl's phone in here? Okay, but then there's something else to the story. Three weeks in... Hmm. So I've got we're voice noting on WhatsApp, and oh, that's right. You've gone to me. Oh. You said something to me. You right? dropped me on it. Yeah. Well, I didn't know he was there. Did I? I didn't. I, and you said something to me, and I said I don't know whether to trust you anymore, given what you've done to Stevie. Yeah. And, and turned it off. My phone then went, and it was Stephen Ward. And you went, "Hey, Chris, what's going on here?" <laughs> and I'm thinking, "Shit." I'm thinking, "Shit." And I waited. Is that the one accent you do for all the people from Northern Ireland? Hey, it's sort of similar. Yours is a bit more like that. <laughs> uh, Stevie's a bit lower. Um, so I've got, I've got Stevie's, I got Stevie's number. There's a lot of chaos. That's fine. It's nice. You tell him. Fuck off! Am I telling him? I don't want to tell him. You won't answer. We'll so just so it. you know, we're ringing uh, Stevie Ward. Carl's got to tell Stevie what's happened. What do you mean you won't answer? Maybe true on him. No, I'll answer. Good stuff. Cheers, Steve. Ruin the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell you what we'll do. I'll leave the phone there in case he rings, all right? 
So essentially, right? We shouldn't tell him. You then no, we should tell him. You then said to me, please, please don't tell him because I need my washing done and I, I really want him to wear this t-shirt. Yeah. So I then lied to Steve because you made me lie. A white lie. It, it was a lie. Well, it was a good. It was like a white it was, lie that made someone do your laundry for eight it was, weeks. It was funny. It was funny. But so, I do feel a bit bad. Don't. It's all right. Cheers. Listen, he owes me a lot and he knows it. So. <laughs> uh, yes, so Stevie's in action 14th December. Yeah. I'll be over in London supporting him. Obviously, he doesn't know who he fights yet because the draw is made on fight week, which probably isn't brilliant for the fighters. Mm. But in terms of boxing fans and people wanting to see the show, it leaves a bit more excitement. So I'm looking forward to uh, whoever he has to fight. On the 14th it is? 14th, yeah. In Brentwood, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, MTK Golden Contract. It's good, good fight, isn't that? Jose Burton, Bob Adjasaf, who's a bit of a... He's like 34, but he's a bit of a bogeyman for a few mm. people. Not, Puncher. Not, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's decent. Conroy, of course, as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a good tournament. Really looking forward I think to so. that. I think Burton's probably the favourite. I would have said so. In terms so. of the boogies. But, yeah. And he, he really rates himself. He sees himself as a favourite. Stevie and guys like Conroy and other guys in the tournament aren't really saying too much. There was a guy who just fought Bevel. Cast Lenin Castillo. Yeah, yeah. So decent. Yeah, he, he looked good to be fair. Like he uh, decent shape. Okay. Didn't do a lot, but yeah, but decent. Uh, Going to be hard for anyone to win. Mm, for sure. So let's talk about you. So obviously in the ring, you were there with Bob. <coughs> Genuinely, I say that I, I had a few beers, but I thought there was a security guard next to him because he yeah. had a black waistcoat on, tie, and he was about. He looks like about six foot. Was Jamal Herring? Yeah, big lad. Yeah, big lad. How does he? I think he's way? about five nine, five ten. Yeah. So similar height to McCreary, but he's obviously out of shape at the minute. Mm. He fought a month ago or three weeks ago. He's put on a lot of weight. People are saying, "Oh, he's way too big. He's too big for Frampton." But I'm looking at that going. He is going to absolutely kill himself to get mm. down to the weight. And obviously, he's a big guy. He's a southpaw. He's going to cause me problems in the fight. But I'm looking at that and thinking I can use this to my advantage. Like. The struggles he's going to have to make the weight, I've got to be able to use him to my advantage and apply a fast pace from the start. This is before I've even spoke to Jamie about tactics, but I think that I'll be fine in that fight. Like yeah. I, I fought big men my whole career, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. Because what was Saturday? Was it 128 you fought at? 128, which wasn't easy to make. No, I was going to say, because you, you looked a little bit like tight. Yeah, I was... Tighter than I expected. That is genuinely probably just a bit of age, isn't it? 32, I just things so. get a little bit Yeah, difficult. it gets a bit harder to make mm. the weight. The, the weight comes off slower. Yeah, I was waterloading that week, and the weight was just dropping nicely. And then the day before the weigh-in, I hadn't been losing as much as I had been the previous day. So I had a little bit more to take off than I expected the last day. But I got there, and uh, I made the weight. Good man. And just Gutierrez, who famously slipped in the shower. How many days before your fight? It was after the weigh-in, the day before. Brilliant. Came in for his fight with Oscar Valdez, £141. So so apparently they did check weights all the way up. Yeah. But you said to me the other so day... So what happens in a, a, the check weights... So the check weights, I've done these before. All you have to do is send a photograph of your weight. So there's no one... For, Someone could so just the WBC check. So the British Border Control check weigh-in, you have to see... A border control official, they have to see you on the scales and make sure you're making the weights. Yeah. WBC check weigh-in is literally a photograph. So what I've seen done before is someone get on the scales, show their feet in the picture, someone else behind them 
just lifting at the waist, lifting their hand or holding their hand, making them a little bit lighter, and that's all you do. Mad. So I'm pretty sure that's what Gutierrez has probably done. Yeah, because it was like a three week one. It was like one three. Yeah, it was just it was or, just inside it every time. Yeah, just inside like one thirty three point eight on on like whatever it was seven days. Yeah, so it's like that's fine. Yeah, and then he comes in at one four one. It's like well, that's not. That's so not I've possible. seen people trying to like figure out how he's done it, like. You know, he's made these check weigh-ins and then missed it by so much. But I would guess that he didn't make the check yeah. weigh-ins. But what's mad about it is you said his demeanour and everything was just of a fighter Strange. that was on weight and everything. I seen him. He was in my hotel. I seen his team walking about it. I didn't see him the whole week, even though he was in the same hotel as me. But I seen him on the weigh-in there, and he came over, gave me a little fist pump, a hug because we knew each other. We were meant to fight. Yeah. Good luck, Andres. Blah blah blah, and he just. Seemed just normal, as if he's about to get on the scales, and he gets on, and he's eleven, eleven, 11 pounds. Why is he do? Why did he get on the scales in the first place? Like, How why did he, did he not do? No, because well, there's miscalibrating, like, and getting a couple of pounds you, out. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know why he's done it. I really don't. Like, if I was his team, what I would have said was, right, you're not getting on the scales. You're faking an injury, or you're doing. Of course, how can a promoter trust him ever again? Like, yeah. he could just ruin a show completely mm. Mm. I think Bob Arm says he never use Gutierrez again or any of his team ever again to make fights so and rightly so rightly so nice. Arm was furious he threw him out of the hotel and rightly so yeah yeah but luckily we got Adam Lopez come in and stepped in for Oscar, um, Oscar Valdez and, and we had a we had a fight still and flipping nearly did the job nearly did the job made it a bit more exciting Crowd the Valdez were taking the fight he went in he could have just said, I'm not fighting, new opponent, yeah. and got paid. But credit to him for taking the fight. What would you have done? I think I'd have probably fought as well. Yeah, because you're itching at that point. And people are traveling to yeah, see you and yeah. support you. If he wanted, he could have He could have not fought. So you have to give him a, a lot of praise for that. So the, the plans, obviously, for, for as far as Bob was concerned, was to get Oscar through that fight, get you through this fight. I guess line Oscar up for Miguel Bachel, which is the WBC. Yeah. Is it? And then Herring has got the WBO. Yeah. So that's the plan for you, I guess. Looks like it. Herring seems to be up for it. Herring seems to be up for it. And in Belfast as well, which was a surprise to me up until probably a week before the fight. So I was just assuming that it would have to be New York because Herring is from New York. He's the champion. Um, I thought it would still do pretty well in New York. Obviously, the Irish-American community on the East Coast, somewhere anyway, will come out and support me. A lot of people would travel as well. But Arm says it makes more sense doing it in Belfast. And it does. Herring gets paid more than he's ever got paid in his life. In his lifetime, he thinks that as a champion, and he's he's openly stated this, he wants to travel. He wants to tour the world. I like and that. See, so do I. Yeah. I absolutely like And I, I respect him. I don't think there's a, a hidden agenda here with no, Herring at all. He's a family man. He wants to do what's best for his career. And he wants to he wants to get paid well as well. Mm. So that's really the bottom line here. So he said he was a fan of yours, kind of as he was. And I'm a, a and likewise, I'm a fan of his. Yeah. Like Boston. I like his style, big tall so I like his backstory as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um being a you know, serving with um in the army was he a Marine or yeah, the I Army? Think so something like that, yeah. So Olympian and had a few defeats and a lot of um a lot of things that went on in his life that haven't been great and could have broken a lot of people but um, he's a world champion now so credit to him and he will having been a fan of yours watched your fights and seen some of the Belfast fight nights so he will also want to experience that and he's going to know that there aren't well there's there's no one else in Ireland that he could get that reception against so to go and have that night and experience that kind of atmosphere 
I think he's a champion. Why would you not do that? He can, so. he can fight in New York anytime he wants. Yeah. He can't come and fight in Belfast. No, absolutely not. Yeah. So Windsor Park then? Is that the plan? Well, or the Odyssey? I think Aram is keen for the Odyssey. Yeah. Or the SSE Arena, as yeah, it's now yeah, called. Okay. Yeah. But I'm pushing for Windsor. Top rank are just a little bit concerned about weather conditions. If we do it in May... I have to get these hands operated on. So there is time, yeah. So with plenty of time, I'll need to have a bit of time off to recover. So both hands need operations. So I think that May, the weather's normally okay. Sweet. If it rains, it rained the last time I fought at Windsor Park. No one really cared. Yeah, Probably add, added to the atmosphere yeah, a little it bit. Yeah, rained at Fools Park, didn't it? And it yeah. didn't matter at all. So I think that, I think we do it at Windsor and Wicked. pack it out. It would be unreal. <sighs> That's going to be great, isn't it? If you get through that and you secure a title, would you then look to fight the winner of um, Valdez and Bichelle? Yeah, of course. Finish um, off a unification fight, potentially unifying my second division. That is what I don't know. That's what a you know what a career that would oh, be. Um, if I get the chance to do that, yeah, then why not? But at this stage of my career, it's one fight at a time. And oh. I said that going into the McCreary fight, one fight at a time. And I'm saying exactly the same. Hopefully, the Herring fight can get done. But one fight at a time. Somebody that had a little word on where your career's going is your old mate Georgie Groves. Do you want to have a listen to this? Uh, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Super feather. Um, he, he's never going to have a chance, I don't believe, winning a world title Super feather. He's, his, nat- his natural style and ability... <laughs> He'll so definitely never have a chance of winning the world title Super feather. Right away. So Super Bantams, when he had all his success, he won a... Won, um, won a title up, um, I think, if ever. But um, you know, he couldn't he couldn't compete with with Josh Warrington, who is is a good fighter. Obviously, he's, he's proven that time and time again. But he's, you know, they're talking about his punch power. Um, he hurt Frampton um, real bad in that fight. And um, but I don't believe Warrington. Let's not talk about chins here. He's, he's more about volume punching. So um, I'm not really sure what Frampton's um, plans are now. Um, he talks about. Um, being a, becoming a world champion again, but um, he also dabbles in a few other things. He don't likes his podcast. TKO on Joe. So time to time, he's uh, he was, he came came across my my uh, my path recently. So uh, yeah, I had to, had to have a little uh, a little a little word with him. But um, a little word with him, patronizing. I think it might just be might just be just hanging on in there I think boxing wise to sort of carry on the status of, of a pro boxer but oh, fuck off what a you right? I'm alright right do you want to talk to me about that then yeah it's just this bullshit isn't it um, right let's, let's actually get to the bottom of this because the thing about this is none of this stuff is actually what this is about no it's not this, that's, what, that's what's so ridiculous yeah. so you sort of stoked the fire when Callum Smith was on a few yeah. weeks ago because you said, oh, I think George might have quit. I remember looking at you thinking, I know you don't probably necessarily mean that. But Do you know what? I don't mean it. Do I, would I class George Groves as a quitter? No. I was trying to, I was having a dig. Um, because of what's happened. Because of what's happened before. Right. And, and people may say unfairly, but I don't think it was unfair. Right, well um, then, t- t- main t- reason t- he tried to embarrass me, but anyway, long. So we'll go right to the start, right? Because people so, need to know. To be fair, okay, okay, that's going to sound very petty at the start. It is quite petty. Well, not really petty as we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, the bigger picture it. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the start, obviously, there's a dispute between Groves's former team, 
mm-hmm. and my former team. Mm-hmm. I'm having a dispute with the people that he was training with yeah. and and Barry McGuigan and stuff like that. They were always around the gym, blah, blah, blah. So they're all friends. I'm having a dispute with them. Nothing to do with George Groves. And you used to get on with George? Me and George got on like a house and fire. I always felt like very intelligent bloke. You could have a sensible conversation with him. And it's not just boxers talking shit about boxing all the time. Mm-hmm. He's quite a deep character. And I, I liked him. And he allowed us to train in the gym when the McGuigans were without a gym for a while, which I was very appreciative of. Like, I liked George. I did like him. Anyway, so the f- how did it start? Well, we invited him on the show. Yeah. And, and I said to you, why don't you DM him? Because you know, I spoke to Duncan Ross. Mm. I hadn't heard from Duncan for a couple of days. And I said to you, why don't you DM George? And you went, oh, he's unfollowed me. That's right. Yeah. So that's when I found out that he unfollowed me. Yeah. Um, so I remember being annoyed. A little bit, because it was like, ah, nah, because me and George never had, like, me and, all, me and him always got on well. I'm thinking, because there's been a breakdown between me and the McGuigans, is that maybe the reason why... Has he been influenced by something they said? Yeah, or, well, whatever yeah. is, is that why... He's, and I thought he was sensible enough to not just, like, be his own man and have his own thoughts. Like you and Josh Taylor are still friends. And- me and Josh Taylor are still friends. There's other people who will not mention their names in the McGuigan camp that I keep in touch with and wish well and, and likewise. Yeah. So he unfollowed me. Sounds really petty. But I, I went on then and I wished him well in, after he retired. So I wished him well. Congratulations. Great career. Blah, blah, blah. And then what else happened? There was something else really petty. Oh, he said a, a statement and he said curveball rather yeah. than curveball. So I cracked it and said curveball. And that was me. Yeah, we dig back saying, don't unfollow me. And why do you unfollow me? It's petty. But didn't you bump into him at a, a awards evening or something like that? You said... And he didn't like he, speech. Yeah, well, he kind of blanked me at an awards night as well, which was like, mm, all right, like, what's going on oh, here? just suddenly a bit un, uh, like unnecessarily Yeah, it was, awkward. considering we always got on pretty well with each other. So anyway, when I cracked the curveball, the curveball, he blocked me. Got a lot of likes, that was good. Yeah, so he blocked me. And then uh, Tommy Coyle was fighting on the AJ undercard. I'm getting really animated here, I can feel myself. Tommy, <laughs> Co- Tommy Coyle was fighting on the AJ undercard in New York, AJ Ruiz. Yeah. I walked, I had to walk through a room to get into Tommy Coyle's change room. And I walked through this room and George was there with... Uh, Josh Denzel? Him. He was Love Island guy. Yeah. Nice guy. Yeah, yeah, he's um, nice. And there were a few people in the room. So George and like that Josh fella yeah. and a few other people. And I walked over and says, how you doing, George? Trying to say hello. And he just went, blanked me, complete me. Uh, like and embarrassed me in front of these people. I remember walking out of the room thinking... What a fucking prick. Oh, so that's when it was in New York. It wasn't it when I said to you, Oh, there's an award ceremony. That, it, that was wasn't, it was in New York. It was like, in New York. Gotcha. So um it really annoyed me. So when we had Calm Smith on the show, that was my way of kind of digging him out a wee bit. That's the thing, because I knew when you said that, I thought, Well, I know all of the backstory. Mm. So I know you don't mean this. But if no, I, I was just mean if I was just looking as a as an uneducated observer, it looks like I'm an arsehole. It's a bit of an arse comment. Yeah, yeah. Of course, but there was reasons for and it was kinda like had to say something. Yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to like get him back. And the, the worst bit was when he embarrassed me in front of people. And I remember just thinking, what a fucking prick. And also because you don't, you'd never do anything like that because you always, you talk to everybody and you would never, mm. I know if someone come up to you, whatever had happened, you'd always shake their hand. Even if you didn't like somebody, you'd, if someone extended their hand, you'd give them the respect of... None of them like them. Okay. Not a soft lad. You know what I mean? If some of them like someone, like if someone come up to me and tried to shake my hand. So that. It's fine. <laughs> well, it depends who they are. 
but it depends who you are. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it annoyed me because I got on so well with George. I just feel like it's a bit of a shame. But he really overreacted to that comment. Like he really overreacted the, to your comment on the Smith. Oh, absolutely, thing. yeah. He went, he went he nuts. Really lost he went plot. nuts. People are saying, and people are still calling me half paint from that, as if George Groves made up the half paint. I've been <laughs> called half paint for fucking the last thirty years of my life. So George Groves didn't invent half paint. <laughs> Everyone's called me that. So um, yeah, but he um, he spat the dummy out. But anyway, it's been said and done. I've had my go. He's had his go, and I hope that. We can uh, maybe say hello to each other from now on. Bloody hell. I hope so. So do I. I genuinely do. If Carl Fox and George Groves can now be friends, you and George Groves can at some point be friends again. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right, mate. Joshua Ruiz tomorrow. Speaking of New York, last time we were there, what a shock that was. Yeah. That was one of the maddest nights I can ever remember in boxing. Absolutely. The maddest night I've ever been involved in. I was lucky enough to be there. I was Mm. there, obviously, with Tommy Coyle and supporting him, but I was working with um, Five Live as well. Just listening to Mike Costello describe it. Oh, how good is he? He's unreal. I remember just thinking, what is happening here? This is is like a huge night. This is like a, a real moment in boxing history that's going to be spoken about for decades mm. and I was lucky enough to be to be a part of it what uh, an amazing night quite sad watching Joshua sort of fold over a long period of time very sad I think he fought most of that fight concussed yeah and ultimately didn't really know much about where he was and still negotiated through another three or four rounds when actually there was a point in that it was the third round he got knocked down twice wasn't it yeah and we were sat right next to that corner post and there were these little fold-out seats in the barriers. We weren't mm. even supposed to be there, but no yeah. one moved us. So we were like, well, let's sod it, let's sit. So we're literally eight feet from him when he's he's in the corner the second time, taking the standing eight count. And the referee said, step forwards. And he actually couldn't step forwards. Yeah. And you could see the moment in the referee's eyes where he thought, I'm about to lose a lot of people, a lot of money here. Yeah. And you could see that split second where, had that been Andy Ruiz, he'd Stop have waved it off. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. because it was Joshua, I think he almost pretended that he he thought Joshua hadn't heard him. Yeah. And so he went, Anthony, I said, step forwards. He clearly just didn't know where he was. Yeah. He then, the ref then steps towards Josh, grabs his gloves, and I'm thinking, there's no way he should be carrying on it. So yeah. the fact that he got through another four rounds after that was Credit genuinely impressive. Yeah, I think so. And um, I think he's taken a lot of stick, Joshua, but in my opinion, he wasn't right going into the fight. I think what another thing you have to give Joshua a lot of credit for is he never really made any excuses. Mm. But I, I feel, and I, I think a lot of people close to him, you just see him, his demeanor in the ring before the fight started. It was all just a bit too chilled and relaxed. I don't think he was right. But he, he stayed in there for as long as possible and he finally got stopped. But I think you have to give him credit for that, for staying in there for, for as long as he did. Mm. I really do. So they weighed in two hours ago. Joshua was 237 pounds, 10 pounds lighter than he was for the first fight. Ruiz, 283 pounds, over a stone heavier. How is he coming a stone heavier? I don't know. I really don't know. How is he coming a stone heavier? Like, the sage you are... I think he's Andres Gutierrez. Yeah. <laughs> like, how has he done that? It really baffles me. And I don't think it's right for him to do that. I think that since hearing that, Already an out-of-shape Ruiz, who had a short short notice for that fight, for the first fight, to come in a stone heavier, does not make sense to me. I don't know why he's doing it. 
there was rumours that he was going to he was losing a lot of weight and he was looking yeah, slimmer yeah. at the start. There was a couple of pictures, wasn't there, that yeah. surfaced of him looking so lean. So as he put a lot of fat back on, I don't know what's happened. Very odd. Hearing Joshua coming in later and Ruiz coming in heavier, if you'd have put a gun to my head, I would have said Joshua's going to win the fight before the weigh-in, but I'm now a little bit more... Sh- I'm not certain anyone's going to win the fight. I think Joshua, probably. I'm more certain now that he will win the fight than it was two hours ago. Because he said he's he's ultimately been a full-time boxer in this camp. And I know that's a bit of a misnomer, but he was before essentially splitting his time 50-50 between sparring, skill acquisition, and then he was doing 50% strength and conditioning, all this yeah. sort of coordination stuff in yeah. the sand pits, and, which ultimately is is fine for your general yeah. balance in your joint health and, and everything else. But actually, it's not boxing specific. He yeah. said he's been 100% boxing, boxing, boxing. And clearly from his physique, he's yeah. laid right off the, the strength and conditioning. He's lost a lot of that muscle. You would imagine that will help, what, his engine his and mo- also his, his fluidity engine, of his, his movement. And I, Yeah, I think so. I think the engine is the big thing, though. Yeah. Being so muscle-bound and so, like, full of muscle, it's, it's got to be factor. You've seen it with fighters over the years, like Frank Bruno, prime mm-hmm. example, before, mm-hmm. before Joshua. But you always talk about these kind of muscle-bound heavyweights and not being able to transport the red blood cells throughout their body and the oxygen throughout their body as someone maybe less sort of muscle-bound on them. But I think that Joshua... Stephen Ward. Do we answer this? Yeah. Stephen Ward's ringing. Stevie, can you hear me? We're currently on um, TKO at the moment. Yeah, he's actually next to me. We're actually recording the show as we speak, so you're sort of technically on air. Why we're phoning you is I have something to tell you. Oh, Jesus Christ, what is it? This is the thing a couple of weeks back, yes, and we wouldn't say. Um, and Chris Lloyd has been lying the whole time. Right. Sh- He's no. an absolute liar. Steve. A liar. Steve. So I was, I was coerced <laughs> into this. I was an unwilling accessory to this, this lie. So Carl's going to apologise. I'm not going to apologise. Well, tell him what it is. No, uh, yeah, the bat. I knew, oh, I knew. Why are you so annoyed? That was the best bit. <laughs> that was why he made me lie, Steve. I'm really sorry, mate, because I wanted to tell you, but. <laughs> Here, uh, so what happened was, see when you phoned me and said, do you want to do this bet? Yeah. Robert Smith had just got off the phone to me about a minute before saying for me to please reconsider not going because I've won the uh, fight of the year. All right, see you later, son. Bye. Oh, you're gone. <laughs> is he? A- is he actually annoyed? Are you serious? Oh. That's not karma. That yeah. Oh, I feel bad now. I thought you might have a laugh about it. Well, he will later on. You need to make it up to him. Don't you worry. I look after Stevie. Maybe do his washing for the next eight weeks. Uh, do you know what? So, 
technically the bet was still running when he get it, got out to Vegas because he trained in Vegas for a few weeks and i done all my own washing. I don't want to take a piss. Oh, oh that's good of you. Yeah. Oh, you really are. You, your, your moral compass really does point north. Forgive me. That was me thinking you were a conniving little shit. How wrong I was. Right, let's go back to the reason, Joshua. So I, I, t- I told you about three months ago, I think, about Angel Fernandez yeah. because we were, we actually saw him when we went out to do Fraser Clark's yeah. podcast in Sheffield. I've known Angel for like a year yeah. and he's a great guy, very good trainer, Isaac Chamberlain, Sandy Ryan, Jordan Reynolds, Sultan Zalbeck. So a mixture of amateurs and pros and I saw him there doing Joshua's gloves up and he looked at me and sort of winked and did the sort of keep your mouth yeah. zipped and it, essentially he was the addition. So he's been trained under sort of Jorge Rubio so he's got quite like Cuban background all about creating angles about it's a different philosophy to to what Rob McCracken employs yeah but from what we've seen some of the clips there's going to be a lot more movement a lot more yeah. angles I think he needs that and I think losing the weight is obviously going to help him yeah I don't think you can completely change your style no. overnight no no, no. Um, and that may be an issue you can obviously try and drill different tactics and try and change certain things. But for Joshua to all of a sudden go from in a bit of a Klitschko style, yeah. nice hand, hands up, and nice and high, one-twos, nice big long jabs, boxing really tall, and I see him a bit more loose and fluid. It's tough, he, isn't it? It is tough to change so quickly. Is he going to get caught in the middle of two styles? That's the big concern, isn't it? It is. But I think that, I think that coming in later, with a little less muscle mass is a good thing for Joshua. If someone's a lot taller than you, so he's obviously, what, five, six inches taller than Ruiz, he's obviously boxing very tall. Ruiz dips and comes in off the feint. Mm. Is it better if Joshua does crouch a little bit and, th- and extend the jab I from a more so. horizontal I think plane? so. And I think that I think that what Anthony Joshua doesn't need to do ever is think about punching hard. Just, just relax and let him go. Because he's such a big unit of a man. Like... If he hits you, just if he thinks about punching fast and Ruiz with his momentum coming on the shots, I think that Joshua could take him out first round, last round, whenever. He's got that much power. But I think that he, he just... One criticism I would have had of him before is a bit stiff. Yeah. And hopefully, looks like they're trying to change this, but has there been enough time? That's the big question. Yeah, of course. I mean, he had no... You know, everyone says, oh, you know, fair play to him for taking the, the rematch. But ultimately... From a promotional standpoint, I don't think Eddie had any choice because if they don't take that, Andy Ruiz walks back to our Heyman and PBC with the other three heavyweight belts. Yeah. And they're talking about creating these um, PBC belts. And yeah. the only way you can do that is if all of your fighters have yeah, all yeah. four. So you that that gives an enormous amount of the the market share of the, of the heavyweight division. Well, in fact, pretty much all of it to one promoter who's I then going to close the well, door. Well, I think you still have to give them credit though for, oh, yeah, for yeah. going straight into the fight. Mm. I think that ideally what... If you were his team and you don't have the situation with Heyman and these new PBC belts mm. and, and they've got another champion in Wilder, ideally what you do if you're Hearn and AJ is get someone like Fury's last two opponents, that sort of level, mm. blow them away, get the confidence back and then go into a fight with Ruiz. But going straight into it after such a devastating loss, mentally AJ will have to be very, very strong. But I, I'm backing him. Very, very interesting. Good man. Well, it's been good to catch up with you, mate. You too, boss. It's been a long time. We'll be back in the new year, I guess, won't we? Yep. Have a little bit of break. You're going to lap land with the kids. Eat some mince pies that Did- aren't mince meat. There you go. Well, they are mince meat, not beef. No, they're not beef. It's mince meat. Um, 
feel like it's my new thing. I think my whole family probably thought they were known in my family eats mince pies. Maybe they all this thought they were mince. Insane. I don't. My dad's a clever man. I, like, did he? Is he though? Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he doesn't know. Maybe no. Maybe he knows that they're not mince mince meat. No one thinks that apart from you and apparently your parents. <laughs> the Frontons. It's insane. But yeah, basically. There's apple that. in that too. Yeah, they're probably a little bit of apple. Minced meat is like, I feel like it's Sultana's. Minced meat. Apple. You said minced meat. There's no meat in it. Why did you just say there is? It's minced called minced meat, but no, there's no meat in it. It's not called minced meat. It's called a, it's called a mince pie because it's just minced. Fucking hell. It's honestly like explaining something. They're called a minced meat pie. Niece. She's not called a minced meat pie. You call. You call them a mince pie, but it's called mince meat. So when you buy it in the jar, yeah. mate, I've made these with my mum for years. And you call it mince meat, it's called mince meat in the jar. Yeah, and you put it in. Well, well, that's obviously where the confusion's coming. The confusion's coming, you're a fucking weird little idiot. <laughs> We're going to have a mince Minced pie fruit? Why don't I call it that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know. Why don't you give Tesco's a call? Um, question for you then. How many mince pies are eaten each year? I've got Si in my ear with a... In the UK, each year. In the oh, UK, at Christmas, at Christmas, year. sorry. At Christmas time? Yeah, December. Um, 12 million. 370 million. Don't believe it. 370 million? You don't believe it. Why would they make it up? Who's... Honestly, I, I would get through. I've had... What's it? December the 6th. I've probably had 25. Well, I've never had one well, until half an hour ago. Well, like, what about the people that think there's... Men's beef in them that haven't been eating them. I've never met anyone in 30 <laughs> years that's just thought that's apart from you, mentalist. Right. Good to see you, mate. Merry Christmas. You too. Uh, Merry, Merry Christmas to all of you uh, watching at home. TKO uh, for Christmas done and dusted. What a year we've had. Thanks to everybody that's tuned in this year. We'll be back in the new year with more exclusive special guests and much, much more. Enjoy your Christmas from Carl, myself, everybody at the team at Joe. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. You've been listening to TKO on Joe.